I'm, I'm not like the, the biggest like godhead or anything, but I don't think that we're here on accident. The world goes through ebbs and flows of, of pain and, and suffering, going back to man and free markets and mixing their labor with the resources around them. I think in a way that's God working through them and the Holy Spirit to create innovation. Bitcoin is manifestation of that innovation. What's going on, my fellow Bitcoiners? I'm John Cheneau, and welcome to episode 18 of the Bitcoin Path podcast. This is a show where we have deeper conversations about Bitcoin and self-sovereignty, about how this new magic internet money is changing the world and changing ourselves at the same time. In this episode, I'm excited to share my conversation with Mr. Sue, aka Phil Gibson. Phil and I got to meet in person around the Bear Arms and Bitcoin conference in Austin, Texas last month. We connected over the fact that both of us host a Bitcoin podcast and really had a similar journey to arriving at Bitcoin through our libertarian principles. Phil is a Bitcoiner, he's a musician, and he hosts his podcast called A Boy Named Sue, which is about all things Bitcoin. Phil and I had an excellent deep talk about the Bitcoin social layer, citadels, love, religion, and spirituality, and the harsh yet beautiful reality of the free market that Bitcoin is bringing about in the world. Be sure to follow Phil on Twitter at Mr. Sue, that's M-R-P-S-E-U. And as always, if you want to support the show, uh, be sure to like it, subscribe, and share with anyone that you think might be interested in in it and resonate with the message and visit thebitcoinpath.com to learn more about other events and ways to contribute also for all of you guys coming out to miami for the bitcoin 2021 conference uh this june my buddy jason and i and and really on behalf of the miami bitcoiners meetup we wanted to throw a party for the plebs that are that are coming into town it's going to be june 3rd it's a Thursday night before the conference starts at 7 p.m. It's just going to be an awesome party. The theme is have fun staying pleb. We may not be able to have fun staying poor because we all have Bitcoin, but we're going to have fun staying pleb. And uh, the tickets are on sale at plebparty.com. You can get more info there. And if you pay with Bitcoin or Lightning, you get a 10% discount with the code plebsusebitcoin. And... I hope to see you there. All that's going to be in the show notes. And with that, let's get into this episode with Phil Gibson. Now, thank God for, for Bitcoin and Bitcoiners. That's really what I'm most bullish on when it comes to Bitcoin. Hell yeah, man. I, I'm the same way. And, you know, I was that way before I was before I had actually met Bitcoiners in person. And, and then when I actually met Bitcoiners in person, then it was, uh, it was definitely accelerated. That, uh, just that sense of like camaraderie, the, the melding, melding of minds, right? Like we're all kind of grokking this thing on our own and, and exploring things and, and thinking about, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at how much like mind energy <laughs> Bitcoin kind of like consumes. It, 
especially at first when you're when you're first kind of like understanding it and, and understanding the implications that it has on the world um and so then when you get together with other people who've like gone through that same uh sort of red pill experience waking up in in the matrix and seeing seeing it for what it is uh it's definitely it's it's uh it's it's a special special experience to share to share with other people for sure yeah it lifts it lifts a lot of the pressure off you mm-hmm. know it's it's it, i'm sure it makes dating a lot easier too if you just if you're on tinder or whatever and like the first word in like your bio is just bitcoin or not even just dating <laughs> just meeting people in general it's like if you can get that out of the way then it's smooth sailing from there you know yeah man i think you know relationships are built on core values and what i've found to to be very interesting about bitcoin is like it gathers it's it's sort of a selector uh, it it brings people together who are self-selecting for the values of you know what freedom truth and virtue or freedom truth and meaning uh you know these these types of things that we tend to hold as like as our primary focus in in life above above pretty much everything else and <laughs> other people you know it it doesn't mean everyone's the same like there's so many varying personalities and so many oh, yeah. varying like opinions and and uh beliefs and everything like that uh but but it makes for uh yeah it makes for a good a good community i think yeah Dude, I think... before before we go on i i have to say i i fucked up the beginning of this i paused the recording oh before. no i yeah and i didn't usually if you just like pause it or like you hit stop and then you hit record it again it will just give you two files yeah no i so I paused it before you came on and, and I forgot to hit the record button when, when you first came on. So I okay. missed part of, part of your uh, initial, initial talk. Oh, it's okay. But, but that'll just be for you and me to. <laughs> to we can redo it. Fuck it. I don't to, care. No. Yeah. So, well, I just want to go back to sort of your, your, you were talking about your personal experience and I thought that was really prescient, like um, how, because because I asked you about Austin, we met at we met in Austin a couple of weeks ago. We met in the around the Bitcoin and Guns conference, and uh, I'd asked you about growing up in Austin or just spending time there, and uh, and you were talking about meeting other Bitcoiners and and how going out to Rainy Street was that was one of your like what, second or third time going out there, even though you've been there for for a few for quite a while um but yeah so i don't know can you yeah dude you go back to yeah it and uh when we were talking how also bitcoiners self-select like bitcoin and they kind of filter out all these other ideas and uh characteristics of people and what they believe in as for their virtues and it's kind of like what pierre richard talks about is they kind of meet at the shelling point and you know that if 
someone says that they're a Bitcoiner, you know that they vetted themselves and they've gone through a lot of different experiments and, you know, someone could come as far as like, oh, they're going to be a socialist. And then they just listen to podcasts after podcasts. Like I was talking, uh, hearing uh, Aaron Brooke and Michael Malice talk about this on the Lex Friedman podcast recently. And um, they were talking about how like people do this with Ayn, Ayn Rand and Randians. And so they might start uh, like people will find Ayn Rand and just objectivism. And you can apply this to like, um, li- <laughs> this word's hard for me, libertarianism. Um, oh. But like, once you get to like that showing point of like free markets and all of that, you, you come a long way because you might identify as a socialist first and you think it's just like this utopia and then you get cynical and then you also might already have those ideals of okay free markets work taxation is theft and then you finally find the uh you know the square that fits in the square peg um, or the square peg that fits in the square hole and that is bitcoin or libertarianism or objectivism and that's kind of how i felt when I started hanging out with Bitcoiners because I never considered myself as an Austinite when I, I moved here because it was kind of the same reason I didn't really hang out with a lot of people in college. Cause I couldn't really re- relate to people. I felt like I was out of place when I was even at parties or get togethers. It's just like everyone was, you know, at a pajama party, you know, uh, we weren't all, ideologically aligned and a lot of people were still figuring out who they were and not to say that i know exactly who i am but just my core principles in themselves i feel like bitcoin is basically the the finish line and before bitcoin i kind of came from like a i guess right-wing voting conservative family but i also had this love for music and art and that you know was the cliche of fiscally conservative and socially liberal in bitcoin it was the finish line. But before that I was listening to a lot of stuff like on both right and the left. Like I would listen to stuff like everything from Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity and Buck Sexton and then Steven Crowder. And then that led me to libertarianism because I found Dave Smith's show part of the problem. And then from there that eventually led to, to Bitcoin. And I think people that uh, arrive at Bitcoin it does take them a while. And so as we were kind of talking about people, uh, it's it's kind of like the ultimate litmus test is if you can meet people and you can both agree from Bitcoin. It's like, okay, we can really continue this conversation. Whereas if you kind of you know, take a girl out and you, you know, after drinking, get to know each other, like, oh yeah, this is fun. And then, you know, she brings up something up like communism or some, you know, like environmental, whatever. And then it's like, oh, I got to cut it. Not that I had that exact experience, but I think, uh, you know, people can relate to things that are, are similar to that. And so it's just really great how Bitcoiners can just meet each other online and know it's it's going to be, be fine when you meet each other in person finally. And uh, when that does happen, just smooth sailing, you know, kicking back drinks from there, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I love there have been multiple conversations, um, you know, or uh, so many people that I've met in, in these conferences or at meetups uh, to where, yeah, we have a couple of beers and we're talking and it feels like we've known each other for a very long time uh, because we're just 
kind of transcending that um, initial uh, initial quandary of like, oh, where does where does this person stand? You know, we we yeah. kind of move past a lot of those initial barriers, I guess, and go go a lot deeper. Uh, yeah, so I've I've really enjoyed that a lot. I like this concept of I first. Uh, for me, I've always been passionate about like personal connections and uh, community and uh, social interaction. I think that it's a very essential part of who we are as humans. And, you know, for our, uh, our civilization, as far as we've come, you know, it's sometimes that part of things seems to be pushed by the wayside uh, and, for, for the sake of productivity, for the sake of like, um, you know, growth and, you know, all the, all the fiat type, the fiat, uh, economy, um, tends, tends to, you know, focus on all, all these, uh, all these other things, whereas like community, social, social interaction, the things that are free, like family <laughs> um love interactions of love like those are those things are a lot of a lot of times what bring us bring us the most joy and the most um enjoyment in life so like yeah. one thing that i think is just really amazing um and that i've tried to like focus on in the meetups here in miami um and then in my conversations just with with other bitcoiners is kind of this social, <clears throat> this, uh, this understanding of the social layer of, of Bitcoin. Right. And when kind of what you said about Bitcoin at being this shelling point, um, that was Pierre Richard. I don't know. Yeah, I think coined, it was him. coined that. Um, yeah, I remember reading that article, but yeah, it's like, it, it does function as a social shelling point as well, because, uh, obviously we're all going to interact with people that we, that we have stuff in common with. And, um, you know, it does provide that like base layer for, for a strong community, I think. So you, yeah. is, is that what you've found as well? Yeah, totally. And a lot of people talk about Bitcoin and thinking about it at first principles. And as you alluded to, fiat is just a artificial distraction from things that really matter and somehow people are able to climb through all the bs and realize what real real truth is because ron paul kind of talks about how important the the family unit is and i'm not like a huge family guy like i don't see myself having like sit it out with like 20 kids or anything but <laughs> it is really important to have that that strong unit and because bitcoiners maybe do, like 15 kids Uh, uh, lucky 13 (laughs) (laughs) no but um but yeah it's cool that bitcoiners can come as a family or even start their own community and that's kind of what the first form of the citadel might look like it's a voluntary opt-in contractual agreement to live by these rules and you know it's it really is the manifestation of liberty and free markets offers because 
I think the I forget who really coined this. Maybe it was like Rothbard or probably Thomas Sowell talks about those too. But like people's default is poverty. And from there, the next default is how do you get over that obstacle? And that inherently is free markets and innovation and using the resources around you and mixing that with your own labor and progressing. And you can only do that in a true voluntary fashion and if you try to do so coercively then that kind of sends a signal to the market the rest of the people in the world to react against that and to basically have this again going back to litmus tests like litmus tests that coercive energy out so the rest of society can progress and bitcoin being a stateless money really allows for this to happen because the coercive elements of taxation and inflation, which is really the silent killer, isn't possible uh, because you can't confiscate Bitcoin from someone, maybe violently, but as you know, people listening to this kind of understand the, the sovereign individual thesis is that there is no real rate on return on violence <laughs> and Bitcoin is just the most ultimate form of protection of true property rights and again that property that you're able to create in a free market volunteerist manner by mixing your labor with the resources around you and so you have it, it's really cool i talked to uh hector from from casa and he he was going through how you can take bitcoin you can apply like bill of rights to it like all first 10 amendments and the one thing that really sticks with me and i got this also when i interviewed um david friedman uh, milton friedman's son on the hccp uh video they did last fall but what he and and hector uh rosecrans kind of allude to is that bitcoin is can be applied as like the second amendment of the the 21st century or the cryptography is the second amendment of the the 21st century, the right to bear arms, but it's also this right to have this weapon of self-defense in, in that it is a weapon of of self-defense because it can't be stolen from you. Hmm. It can't be, confiscated from you in an offensive manner as well so mm-hmm. just being able to freely use your talent and labor to uh, produce and acquire resources and adding the fact that you can have that protected with cryptography I, is just a real game changer yeah yeah, I, especially... And this goes back to guns and Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, it's another... It, it, I keep going back in my mind as I... You know, and it's something that, that I think we say a lot when we're together um, is what a, what a fucking amazing time to be alive, right? Like, I just feel this extreme sense of gratitude whenever I'm like whenever I really think about this to, to say like, wow, to be involved in something like this and to, um, 
at, at such an early stage and to be witnessing this kind of change for humanity be taking place, it's truly amazing. Um, cause it, it, it really is another step, uh, another, uh, it, it's a transition of, it's a transition into a new, um, layer of protection of the individual of the of the of the individual's rights right or another uh another um how am i trying to say this another layer of empowerment for the individual yeah right and yeah it's it's fucking amazing it's so cool and i i guess i kind of missed the your your first question about how this kind of relates on on the social layer right but i guess we we can bring it back to that because the more like each individual is protected they basically are less under pressure they can feel like that they can truly express themselves because mm-hmm. people in our space will talk about how money is just information and uh, it's this information that allows us to express our our value and you know bitcoin is censorship resistant as well so this could also go into to play of expressing your your values in a uh you know cancel culture proof way as well and i think that the more people that realize that you know hopefully that this can slowly kill cancer cancel culture in a way because um i mean people will get deplatformed or whatever and in a way they kind of lose they don't they lose their property rights in the sense where, you know, maybe they'll lose advertisement or whatever, but Bitcoin's always a, a hedge against that. And I think the more people that's do grab onto Bitcoin, especially like victims of deplatforming or people that feel victimized and they feel like they need to deplatform people, I think the more people that grasp onto Bitcoin, like you said, they will feel like more empowered and protected and maybe they'll feel less threatened and maybe their need to remove people from from the earth will will decrease as well yeah 100 percent. especially from an entrepreneurial standpoint looking at like what because for entrepreneurs right now trying to operate in the fiat system you you have to go through this filter of like well what what's a business or a service that I can provide people that people are going to want, but also like what I have to also think about not, not just what people want, but what am I going to be permitted to like market and what's, what's not going to be like, what's not going to ruffle too many feathers. What's going to be like appeasing to the masses um, because I have to be, I'm ultimately beholden to these banking and financial structures that uh, control the flow of money to my business. Yeah. And I think, you know, certain like certain industries like the sin industries are kind of um, usually the first to be, to be maligned or th- industries that are, that are often misunderstood um, or niche, niche markets that, you know, serve a small group of people that, um, that, uh, yeah, that are easy to be canceled. Right. That's where cancel culture has a true, 
um, a real impact on the actual market. So uh, I think it's what's cool is with Bitcoin, you can actually look at the real market and say, okay, there are people who have Bitcoin and I want to serve them. I want to get some of their Bitcoin. So I want to offer them some sort of service or some kind of product that they actually want. And you can actually do that without, yeah. without needing anyone's permission. <laughs> yeah. Or without having payments get canceled. Like right. this is why uh, I haven't looked into it so much, but I mean, one of the reasons why strike's been a big deal, like now helping out like uh, with remittances in South America, but then also like Jack Mallers helped make that, made that product to help the marijuana industry and this could also be applied to you know the the porn industry and mm-hmm. you know if only fans you know to k- kick someone off for whatever reason um it'll be a hard push but that content creator can you know go preach the word of bitcoin to their fans and hopefully get their fans to adopt bitcoin and support them that way and this also gets applied to to guns or anything that is fringe and might question the status quo and may even threaten the system as we know it. And so Bitcoin's kind of like the only thing that that uh you know people cannot their their values that they believe in can't be silenced. If you can, you know, just pay someone money, uh like true good sound money um you know whenever wherever they want 100 percent. yeah man and i I love what you're saying about like how having access to to this technology that enables you to store store your time to store your energy in this sovereign way gives you a sense of security to express yourself freely right and and that's a i don't know one one of the one of the powerful things that that i've thought about a lot and that i think other other bitcoiners have like talked about and and expressed as well um is this almost is this spiritual aspect to where we are able to live truly and, and we're able to express ourselves truly and have like, and to speak truth and to find, to actually like seek truth in our, in our conversations, in our arguments. And, um, and in that process, um, that, that's what the Bible talked about as the word, like as the logos, as the divine, uh, as Jesus when in uh, in the book of john in the gospel john says the word um in the beginning was a word the logos and the word was god and the word was with god or the word was with god and the word was god i don't know the exact order um and then later it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and he's talking about jesus uh <laughs> so in a re- in a very real sense like this is the ability to speak truth and to, uh, to actually have open and honest uh, discussion and is, of, is like God's presence with man. No. Uh, I, totally. I really believe that. Yeah, I, I do too. I've, you know, I, I love how Brie Love talked about Masters and Slaves and Money, how 
Like I agree with him one hundred percent when he says that to some extent Bitcoin is God working through people in the free market and this manifestation of his his word and power and salvation that humans can grasp onto. And I have Brian Harrington on my podcast and you know he's known to be spiritual and it's just it really is. I'm I'm not like the, the biggest like godhead or anything, but I I don't think that we're here on accident and the world goes through ebbs and flows of, of pain and, and suffering and going back to man and free markets and mixing their labor with the resources around them. I think in a way that's God working through them and the Holy spirit to create innovation and mm-hmm. Bitcoin is manifestation of that innovation because out of necess- necessity comes the innovation. You know, you you have all this this push and pressure, and that's why you see with any time governments try to ban Bitcoin or prohibit anything, like whether it's alcohol or drugs or rock and roll, whatever, people push back on that. They react, and this goes back to what Sayer says about like physics and you know, equal and opposites reactions, like you're, you're, you're gonna get some pushback, especially if it's from this top down authoritarian manner that doesn't jive with the way everyone else uh, thinks and feels. I mean, well, they don't have to think and feel the same thing, but people don't like being told no. <laughs> and mm-hmm. humans are smart. And so they're going to find a way to get over that hurdle. And by the grace of God, <laughs> He got the smartest brains over time to work on stuff. And that ultimately is what became the beautiful amalgamation of, of cryptography and economics and tech. And that's really what manifested Bitcoin. And I, I think it was like always him or some greater spiritual thing working through people. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man, hundred percent. I, you know, I for a long time, I have a very religious background, um, but I've been out of, yeah. So, I, yeah, in high school, I had a very spiritual experience that led me to study Christianity and and to, um, actually be training, trained to be a pastor for like a large cool. portion of my life. Like I spent ten years uh, in like Bible college and internships and seminary learning preaching and learning some hebrew and greek and trying to like do my best to understand scripture and to to, in order to like understand god and in order to be able to communicate who he is and and what he what what the biblical truth is to other people um and you know i've been out of that world for for a while i've i haven't really even been involved in church uh for the last six six years or so but like why do you think that is if you don't mind me uh, yeah sure well there's it it was a number of things that that happened that kind of there's a momentous time in my life uh that kind of shifted my shifted my understanding of what i was doing in in church and in in the religion, in the religious world. Um, what I came to realize was a lot of the energy, 
lot of a lot of what I was doing was not necessarily going down the spiritual path that that I initially started on. Um, a lot of what I was my a lot of my mental energy was caught up in like preserving this ego identity that I had as like this Christian person, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, and kind of like preserving and up build and building up this um, ideological structure, uh, which was like a, a very specific set of beliefs that I needed to like hold and, and believe in, in my, in my heart as well as like defend and, and propagate. Um, and it was like, it was, I kind of describe it as though, as like a, um, a belief structure that's all like woven together to where mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of like taking this, this do- doctrine, that, do- that doctrine and all like kind of pasting all of them together where if you like took, if one of them is challenged, then the entire structure kind of like disintegrates yeah. or falls apart. And, um, and that's what, that's what Christianity was for me. And, and for a lot of, uh, a lot of people that I was involved with at the time. And one of the, uh, this is obviously a very personal conversation, but I don't mind sharing it because it's very, I think it's very, uh, it may, may be something that people, have experienced themselves as well. Uh, but one of the things I realized was like, I was sitting there thinking about this and I realized that like my belief in hell and, and my fear of hell was the thing that was like keeping me from really questioning any of, uh, any of these, uh, any of these beliefs. And I, I saw it as like this, like fiery gate that was like keeping keeping me in this uh, in this walled um, you were having garden, a sense, so to speak you were having a sense of yourself because you thought thinking yeah. outside the box of what you were trained to do and preach was uh, basically sacrilegious yeah yeah for sure which you know and, and and so in a in that way like from so yeah it, that kind of made me think like well why if if this is the truth like why can't it be analyzed from all different angles why can't i uh, allow like why why do i have to be limited in in and uh in my questioning so yeah it's a it's a very that's a whole podcast in and of itself i I think yeah but um eventually you know i i realized that what what initially started me down this path was a very clear and and uh real experience of what I think to be like the presence of God or connection to the universe to connection to um, the life force that, that kind of like creates and, and energizes everything, everything that exists. Um, I felt a very strong connection to that. And that changed that created a change in me to where 
before there, I had all this like dark, um, heavy energy inside of me that where I was like really hateful of, of other people and, and very, uh, contracting and, and unable to express myself, unable to express love for people that I, that I appreciated. Uh, and all of that was released through this, through this experience. And I was able to like actually express love to my, to my mom and to my brothers. And, and um, yeah, and that, that change was very real. And I just wanted to understand like what, what that was. And I've always been kind of questioning like, what what's lying underneath all of this experience that we're having? Like, it's so weird that we're actually even here and what, you know, what's the meaning of it all. So I've always kind of like been fascinated by those questions and, I, and through my background and everything, I was led to scripture and to uh, the Christian teachings in order to uh, try to try to explore the, the foundations of that. Um. So yeah, that led me, I don't know where, the, <laughs> where we're going with this, but uh, at the end of the day, I, I found kind of bringing it back to like my transition or why, why it's been six years since I've been to church. Um, I needed a, I needed to like separate from it for a certain period of time, I think uh, yeah. in order to like, in order to, I, I, it was just part, a part of my journey, I suppose. But now I've coming, coming back to a lot of these biblical principles and, um, and teachings that the church has really preserved through thousands of years, um, through 2000 years, they, there, there is some core, um, some very valuable teachings there and, and very beneficial things that like that, that I still embrace, you know, I, I think that um, coming, coming to see them, especially uh, after Bitcoin and everything, I've, I've been kind of like reintroduced to, to a lot of these things and, and see the value of them. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like uh like got in a way knocking on your door like you kind of needed to separate yourself take a break and it sounds like you were doing that because you were just it, it seems that the true principles that really were totems of your spirituality and what you believed in were becoming more in the background and you were just kind of distracted by these other abstractions that were kind of layered on top of the core principles and that right. could probably be influenced by pop culture because like i grew up in like a methodist church and there was like a youth area and i would like uh you know play music every sunday for um it, it was kind of young lifey uh but you know just like every sunday and you know, practice once a week and like that that was great but then you also hear like the the mega churches that do that and it's like every congregation is like you know, seeing a U2 concert <laughs> in a way. And yeah. um, and that's cool and all. And that's a good way to get people into the door. But at the same time, it, there is something that is forgotten and lost. 
and you kind of lose like a purity and i don't think i've ever really experienced that but there there's like this form of like catholicism which is like traditional traditional religion uh but it's so much more than that it's very internal and spiritual and they do the whole mass in latin and everything and it's just this old school mentality of when you go to church you go in a disciplined manner to where you develop yourself to god to the word to jesus whatever and you know that is a reason why this is supposed to be a sacred thing that is separate from any other outside distraction there's a reason why you say these original texts in latin and so again i never really experienced anything like that but i have friends that still go to you know those kind of masses and it's a world of difference when they walk out than going to you know some mega rock star church kind of thing it's you Mm -hmm. have this more connection it is about you and your relationship to um you know to, to to god and I don't really want to speak for, for anyone, especially as I said, I I never been to to something like that, but it's, um, it it is something that, that, that is missing because there is another idea of just being like a lukewarm Christian going with emotions and going to to church and, you know, maybe listening to what your preacher has to say. And then it just goes in one ear and out the other. And it's more like a social event to where you've got kids and you drop them off at Sunday school and you go mm. chit chat with your friends, whatever, and get breakfast tacos, whatever, and then pick up the <laughs> kids and leave again. And it's just kind of like a thing that you do. And yeah. the true word gets kind of lost from the wayside. And in a way it may become fake and you lose that connection to what God kind of wants you to have. And it becomes this religious practice that again something that you do every day is on the calendar to where it it is just in one ear and, and not the other and it's not that spiritual because from what i understand the thing about god and the church is that as individuals we are the church right because wherever you go you bring mm-hmm. the church with you because if you are a disciple and you preach the word of God, you don't need a centralized place to do that. And this kind of goes back to, to Bitcoin is that when I had Brian Bishop on my show, he was talking about how Jesus went out and looked for like the one sheep and carried him up the hill or whatever. And uh, this kind of goes back to, I don't know how this goes back to sacrificing the sheep, but um, basically like we are his like lone sheep that he will go out and find and he won't leave us behind. And the church itself, I didn't realize how centralized it was, but until Jesus died, people were having to go and sacrifice the lamb or whatever valuable resource that they had on their farm or whatever. And, you know, that was an atonement. I, is that what the word is? Maybe. But it was like the sacrifice that you gave to Christ and you had to, you know, it it was like your healthiest sheep or chicken or ox or whatever. And that was the sacrifice that you had to pay to God in order to get to heaven and, you know, spill that blood. And when Jesus dies, he fills that role. 
like for everybody and everybody's sin. And, you know, that, that sacrifice you gave was also, I don't think the same thing, but aligned with something similar into that. Anytime you wanted to go talk to, to God, you had to, you know, pay, pay mm-hmm. the, the, the priest or whatever to go oh, yeah. to the confession booth. And again, it, it's just like the financial And they access the centralized temple where the presence of God was like behind the veil, uh, you know, ordained and, or, and like mediated by the priesthood, by this kind of centralized bureau- bureaucratic structure. Exactly. Uh, that's how it all was. And yeah. I mean, this is, I guess, before the separation of church and state, the church was the state. Okay. And it's still exactly how our financial system works, whether it be the banks and, and the Fed or the IMF or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus sacrificing himself, it's almost like, well, even the story about like the weights and measures, basically how people were being charged to be let into the church and they were basically getting cheated in like the money they were using by the, you know, guys at the at the booth charging them and, Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the one time Jesus got pissed off because he was like, Hey, you're fucking with the money and you're overcharging these people to come to the church and whatever. So, you know, mm-hmm. he flips shit, flips the tables and everything. And it's almost like he was always a sound money maximalist in a way, but really what that, what that unsound money was, was a bastardization of the word of the truth. Uh, you know, because mm-hmm. if you have bad money, it's not really reflecting the true price and the true value. It's being distorted. And the same thing was being applied to the the word of God to some extent. And Jesus was calling bullshit on that. And he was basically a threat to the <laughs> banking system or really the status quo. Mm-hmm. And because he was really kind of the first, you know, anarchist or you know like no god but but christ like no government but christ in in a way and he was a threat to the system that's kind of why they they opt him you know and his sacrifice through that though was him spilling his blood him being sacrificial lamb so we don't have to pay the piper every time we want to go talk to god because i may be screwing the story up but him sacrificing himself is kind of what bestowed the Holy Spirit into everyone and made their relationship with God decentralized. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe this downplays God or overplays Bitcoin, but it really is the corruption of money that leads to the fracturing of society because money is the fabric of society. And when it's tainted and corrupted by centralized power then you're eventually you're essentially able to play god with their lives and lie and cheat to people by manipulating the the pricing mechanism and making people make poor decisions and poor choices and yeah you actually have all the power in your hands when you have a separation of money and and state because again this goes back to expressing your values and when you have when you don't have the separation of church and state, you're you got this dictator telling you what to believe and how to believe in it and how to get access to that belief. And we, with the separation of money and state, you basically have separation of everything in state. So church, 
you know, it just it, everything. And so I guess this also goes back to God working through people to use the free market to create this innovation to truly free them and manifest himself through uh, through humans and work through humans, like work through through people as the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Bitcoin might be the the first step or like the step, the weapon that we need uh, to achieve that for him. I, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I definitely think so. The, uh, one of what's fascinating, you know, if you look at this, the, um, the biblical accounts of, of the crucifixion and the resurrection, um, I think, I'm pretty sure it's in Matthew. I don't know. I need to look this up about which which book describes this. But when 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 Christ was crucified, it describes the uh, basically a um, like natural natural creation sort of. is there there's this momentous like thunderous um event and the veil in the temple is torn so in the temple in the jewish temple in jerusalem there there was the holy of holies which was the centermost point in the temple and that that held was supposed to hold the ark of the covenant and that was the uh in that holy of holies was the most was like the presence of god on earth that was where um god was revealing his presence and only the highest priest only the high priest could enter the holy of holies at like very specific times in the year right so you had and this process and this uh, protocol was described in the old Testament, like in very specific instructions so that like the people knew how God was going to be expressed or how, how God's presence was going to be revealed to his people, like through this very specific process. Right. And in the new Testament, when Christ dies, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the world was severed. Um, so <laughs> like, just like sh- nope not how that's gonna work <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and so what's crazy and if you look at like that veil is supposed to is like eight inches thick it's like in an, a really Ow. thick veil so you know pres- presumably this happened like it, it's you know we're taking people's word for it right that this yeah. actually happened but even the symbolic representation of that like what that um what that means and what that communicates in the, in the Christian mythology, if you're, if you want to take it just from that standpoint, um, it's that like Jesus is bringing the, uh, the presence of God to man directly. Right. So you have, you no longer need to go through a third party. You no longer need to uh, go to, to a specific place uh, through a high priest, through a sacrifice, through 
uh, all these other means in order to communicate with God and, and to uh, decipher his will. It's his God is with man. Uh, that's what Emmanuel actually means is God with us. So yeah. Jesus was the Jesus was God with us, his, his coming, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I love, I love talking about this stuff because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and, and a lot of this is like very, I don't know. I, I think it has a lot to, to do with Bitcoin and a lot to do with what we're, what we're trying to do in fixing the money. Um, just because like that, like, like you were saying, this is the, this is the way that we are uh, execu- exercising our own sovereignty over our own lives and, and actually like determining true, determining what, what's valuable to us and, and trying to uh, find God's will, right. And find God's presence in, in, in our lives um, to find like what, what is the true most optimal path um, forward. And if we have true price signals and, and are able to like attribute value to things individually, then we have like a very real understanding of what, what's actually valuable in life. And I think that that's, that can carry us as a civilization forward into like a really amazing time. And I think that's what we're witnessing now. So like bringing it back to community, one of the, one of the things that I was thinking about when, when you were talking about the church was like the church has been sort of the foundational aspect of, of most communities uh, throughout like Western civilization. Um, and I think that they've done a lot of things right, but obviously like have... <laughs> have their pitfalls. There's all, all kinds of churches and, and all different kinds of like corruption that that's taken place, like melding these, these types of religious principles with, with, uh, with the state and with, um, you know, top down, uh, yeah. top down governance. But, um, and, and that it, it kind of goes into how like that po- politics is downstream from culture. So that mm-hmm. kind of influences the way everyone thinks and acts on a daily basis, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, man. Yeah. This, we got deep. <laughs> Dude. It's got deep. Uh, yeah, I, I do like... I, I like to think, I, I really think that money is the most spiritual part of any s- civilization. Um, it, any society, like, cause it, you know, we have, it, it's like, it is that basic uh, communication la- layer that where every, things we're communicating the, the the base level of information that that's actually needed to be communicated about any given item is just like automatically transmitted throughout throughout the system right so it's it's the thing that like connects all of us together 
um, at a global level. So I'm excited for what, like what Bitcoin is as a hard money, as a digital hard money is going to do for humanity to where like, we'll be able to connect globally uh, with the big, with just humanity. Hopefully the Bitcoin community just turns into <laughs> humanity and, you know, we can have true, true price, price signals on everything and, um, you know, ex- explore and explore and, and, and go from there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and even if people like don't become like the virtuous Bitcoiners as we, we try to be, that's okay because the the whole thing about price signals is setting true information and letting the whole world know what works and doesn't work. And when things don't work, then they fail automatically. Like they fail fast as should happen in a free market. And so the only thing that props up the failures is the central bank, you know, whoever's Mm -hmm. manipulating the money because you know, that failure is too big to fail and it's close to the money spigot and it has its influence on the population so much and so that corruption and that capitalism doesn't exist when you have true prices actually speaking truth the logos yeah and so i just like this last point i want to make is that people that aren't bitcoiners tend to think that we believe in some utopia that it's an absolute lie because this is not because it is not a utopia is exactly why it works because Mm -hmm. Because the powers that be try to keep this quote unquote uh, like their version of utopia going by bailing out the ones that are too big to fail. And this really led us to the whole idea of MMT that we're just going to keep printing money and keeping things going. And the chickens will come home to roost, as they say, eventually. And hopefully, Bitcoin, actually, I do believe Bitcoin, as we're starting to see, will be that smooth transition and have that true great reset that we actually need and will instill logos back into the world amen amen brother amen (laughs) (laughs) preach oh yes oh yeah hell satoshi (laughs) so one of the something i had saw just in your bio uh, which kind of relates to what you're just saying, I think, is own your failure. So it seems to me that that's, that's something you hold like very dear, very, very, it's kind of a personal belief. Yeah. And, and uh, I wonder if you could elaborate, like maybe there's some, a particular experience that like, yeah, man. Made so that real for you. Yeah. So that's funny. I, I think I've talked about this. I can't re- recall if I have on the show, but that comes from my AP human geography teacher in freshman year of high school uh, named Brent Ostos. And uh, he was funny, man. Just it, like history teachers are always kind of the out there ones and they're, they have their, their quirks and they're very opinionated. And this guy was... The, I don't want to say brilliant, not like some Elon Musk or anything. Well, you know, people might might say Elon Musk isn't brilliant, but like whatever. Just a really great teacher, 
he cared and um he just had a you know don't like fuck with him mad to or like he, he didn't care it was it, it was inspiring but it was also kind of like a um he could come across as crass and rude and it, if someone was complaining about oh the reading's too long or this is hard i don't want to do this and then you know they end up failing the test or whatever or they make a mistake he'd always say own your failure that's your fault own it be, <laughs> like be proud of this and learn from it hmm. or you know maybe he was just saying it as like a throwaway it's like another thing he would say is that if someone complains to them about something he's like he would go that sounds like a personal problem <laughs> just look all all sincere but just be yeah. very smart ass about it but the whole own your failure thing um as as snide as he may have been i think he was also very sincere about that as well because as humans we're not perfect i mean we are human and we make mistakes and we need to look at every mistake whether it's a failure or not take ownership of it and not really have i guess regrets because regrets are just things that you look back on in life that you you can reflect on to continuously improve and i say at the end of my show since i've been doing my show uh which is called a boy named sue like the johnny cash song but spelled p-s-e-u is own your failure because god knows our so-called leaders don't and this goes back to the fed you know the state and it's just by the incentives of a credit system to where they're not incentivized to own their failure because they just kick the can down the road and do whatever they need to get uh, votes and appeal to the public and just bullshit their way into success. And they may commit a lot of failures and uh, casualties along the way that maybe they, they care about and re- regret, or, you know, maybe they just don't care. Maybe they are psychopaths and evil or whatever, but I'm not really one to speak for them, but whether or not they do own their failures individuals, it would seem that on a grand scale, if you look back at history, they say that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes and you see continuous failures of the corruption of money. And just from the corruption of money, you get failures and just this mismanagement of the economy and the mismanagement of the world, because that's what happens when you have central planners you can't micromanage something on a macro level. And if history says anything, our leaders have not owned their failure. Hmm. And hopefully with Bitcoin, they will be forced to, or at least they'll actually be able to fail hard and fast and for good. And a free market solution will replace them. Hmm. And so it's important feel like for me to remind myself and my audience is to own your failure because god knows our so-called leaders do not and because we're individuals participating in this as free a market as we can be bitcoin is the ultimate tool that enables us to do that by expressing our value and even even if our values were uh, i guess we 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 misallocated our value in our decision will fail hard and fast and we'll learn from it and we'll own it. And that's going to happen in, yeah. in a free market or, or not, but 
it'll be much more clear cut in a free market, which Bitcoin provides. Hundred percent. Yeah, man. I I think the uh, that's definitely a it's a theme that I've heard from many mentors, you know, as well. Like, it's much easier said, that, you know, or to to like to espouse it, I suppose, than to actually own up to your failures. <laughs> because yeah, and it's hard, man. It to be uh, yeah, dude. Like, it's it's embarrassing, right? sometimes it's embarrassing to, to, to own up to the fact that like you fucked up or that you had, um, a complete miscalculation of, of value <laughs> yeah. in your life. But fuck, we all do it. Everyone, every single person does it. So, yeah. Um, and it's also kind of like relieving too, right? Because it's like oh, yeah. going back and, and forgiving yourself or for forgiving others, even if they did wrong you, it yeah. really, it, someone might argue this sounds really cuck, you know, but if you do just kind of like let go and let God or just like let go and your forgiveness and love, even if you feel like it's not um, well-deserved, I guess, mm-hmm. not to make myself sound super high and mighty or anything, but it's just you're you're the better man for it and if you just you know cut ties and say you know what i forgive you it's fine forget about it and you just let go and move on with your life you can um you can do that but like when it comes to like a personal level you don't want to just like uh forgive and forget like you want to forgive yourself and maybe some little things are uh you know not as worth remembering as as they should be but those big mistakes, you do need to remember and learn from them and then, you know, forget in the sense, like not dwell on them and just take that lesson and apply it to life. Oh, but yeah. it's just like this huge weight off your shoulders when, you know, you ask for forgiveness really to, to anyone. If you have all this tension kind of built up inside about something, something about uh, someone wronged you or you wronged someone in, in the past, hmm. you know, call them up on, on the phone or whatever see them in person because this is what Bree love was recently talking about on lex friedman's show somehow they they got to <laughs> oh man that was a four-hour rip of a podcast really great if no one's listened to it yet but yeah, they I, i've yet to listen to it it's definitely on the list for- oh dude it's so good but they they get to the conclusion of like you know at the end of the day it's all love <clears throat> right mm-hmm. because like necessity and like value is subjective and values um and bitcoin allows us to express our values or like what we love and um mm-hmm. i don't know people people want to to be be loved he was also talking about this with jeff booth um because all the people are really seeking is to be wanted and appreciated and mm. feel gratitude and one of the best ways that you can do that is just kind of like wipe away the tension and grief by expressing love and forgiveness. Like love your neighbor. And that really just kind of becomes a lot easier if you're on on a sound money standard. I feel, I don't really know how, but like in my gut and I can probably go into it if I really think longer about it, but 
it's easier to express love because I think love is logos as well. Love is truth. Um, because when you, when you love somebody, not that I have like a soulmate right now, hopefully, maybe someday out there, but when you have love for someone, that means that you'll have, you'll be able to, to give sacrifice to them. And that sacrifice is an atonement to love. And uh, Brie Love and Jeff Booth were talking about how when you are building a business, you're you're giving a sacrifice, you're taking a chance because that business could fail. But out of the love and your desire to create and innovate and provide this good and service into the economy, you're sacrificing your labor and your time um, because you're loving and feeding off of this this high of creating innovation and providing value to people. And so it, it is kind of like, I feel like human action economics is just natural through people kind of how I was, we can go back to how poverty, but economics and action is like the default of humanity and, you know, creating property. But I think that all kind of comes full circle into expressing love and distributing love and you know oh, yeah. like like sing it john lennon like all all you need is love oh yeah yeah man it's a, it, it, that's just it's <laughs> yeah and it's truly uh i mean that's that's like the gospel that's the good news right like yeah. jesus uh i hate to just make this like a super Jesus filled podcast, but it, that, it. that's what it's, that's what it's becoming. So, <laughs> you know, he, um, I, I'm very confident. I, I'm, uh, I've said before that I think love is the most powerful energy that exists. Yeah. And if we're talking in energetic form, terms and i think we're moving into a period of time where we're realizing that pretty much everything is energy and information and you know various frequencies reality is a continuation of like uh, i mean it's kind of like they were talks about right is that right bitcoin is energy money is energy it's a technology but money is a manifestation of the time and energy that it took to create that love or that good and service that mm-hmm. somebody uh queried like requested that needed yeah. and um you know not to say that money is love but money is an expression of value and right people arguably create value out of love or a desire yeah they, yeah i think value creates sacrifice. Or one way to say it is, yeah, love creates more value than anything else. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So thinking about like the optimal path forward, now that we don't rely on a system that's like built on lies and manipulation and fear, um, we we now have truth as a foundation. So now we can (laughs) hopefully, hopefully love wins. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's so circular like love and logos and the product of love is the ultimate expression of value 
Yeah. Because we all want to be valued by something or someone. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> wow. that's, that's a foundational, that's, that's what we all long for, you know? Yeah. That, that love and belonging. So you can sign up for my cult. I'll be, uh, I'll be giving every, <laughs> everyone uh, plenty of love and, and belonging. If you want to sign up. Great. Uh, man, it's uh this is awesome. I, I, th- I think, I think we, uh, we solved the major world problems and uh pretty much all all people have to do is listen to this podcast and then like you know we'll be set everything (laughs) everything will be be smooth sailing from here on out all i need is love we did it we're done (laughs) clock me out (laughs) (laughs) oh man well dude is there uh are you coming out to miami in june yeah, definitely right. am. So yeah, Excited. we'll see each other. Um, trying to figure out who I'm going to sell my well pass to, <laughs> but uh, I'll be there for for everything should, else. Uh, excuse we me. We should start a well pass marketplace. Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe find it. Find a way. Yeah, man. Uh, speaking of speaking of like bringing people together, I, th- I think, and, and you know, Bitcoiners coming together. I think that that I'm really looking forward to that conference. It's going to be just an amazing time. A lot of a lot of people coming down to Miami and reconnecting. A lot of uh, a lot of pent up like Bitcoiner energy is going to be released. Yeah, <laughs> into Miami. It's going to be amazing. It is, man. I'm stoked. It's been a good year for Bitcoin. Hell yeah. And more to come. Hundred K yeah. by, by May. Is that is that what the laser eye thing is? Hundred K by May. I could see it going there. I think. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We're uh I'm along for the ride, that's for sure. For sure. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or shill i'd love to you know whoever's listening at this point, yeah man you know i'd love to um yeah that's what i think is cool about the podcast thing is like i can i have a few people who might listen to me who hadn't haven't heard of you and you know you have a podcast you have some some different things to share so i'd love to give you some exposure yeah dude i uh, appreciate it appreciate you having me on this was a very cosmic radical discussion i appreciate that it's good for people to hear new different perspectives my shows as i mentioned a boy named sue like the johnny cash song so a boy named p-s-e-u is how you spell that my twitter is at mr sue m-r-p-s-e-u and i it's, it's a bitcoin podcast I'm first and foremost a musician at heart. I wrote a song called ETF, which stands for End the Fed, but I wrote it you know, last August and I thought it was fitting because you know people wanted to 
Bitcoin ETF and Canada's already got three of them. So I don't know. I, just, I should, I try to make it the, the Bitcoin song, but without being too cringy and I'm really proud of it. I had a great time with it. I did that with uh, Richard James, who did the Sound Money film and uh, Bitco Yanowski did the artwork for it. And it was just amazing collaborating with them. And I just put all my heart and soul into the song lyrically. It's about like the Fed and just all the, the things that happened in 2020 and me trying to learn a lot at once, make sense of it and put it in like three and a half ish minutes. And so that's, that's what ETF is. So if you want to listen to it, it's the, it's the, my pinned tweet on my Twitter. It's just a little like two minute uh, music video of it. But if you want to see the full video, you can just click into uh, show all replies. And I've got the lyrics there, the YouTube link to it, and it's streaming everywhere that you, you stream music as well. So that's uh, like the artist's name is Mr. Sue, M-R period P-S-E-U. And it's called ETF. And there's periods after each letter. So E period, T period, F period. Maybe that was a mistake. I don't know, whatever. I should have just gone all caps ETF, gone caps Odell on it, but whatever. Uh, no regrets, right? Like we talked about. Um, own your failure. But yeah. It's a great song. Thanks, man. Great song, man. Appreciate Love it. it. Huge fan. But yeah. Awesome, dude. Thanks so much, Phil. It's great catching up again. Look forward to talking to you again in person. Um, you, I, I may, I may be coming back through Austin here. So if I am, if I do, definitely hit you up. We'll hang. For sure, man. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Phil. I had a great time talking to him. Again, be sure to follow Phil on Twitter at Mr. Sue. And as always, if you want to support the show, be sure to like, subscribe, and share with anyone that you think might be interested or resonate with the message. And visit thebitcoinpath.com to learn more about other events and ways to contribute. Also, for those of you who are coming to Miami, uh, make sure and go to theplebparty.com. Go to plebparty.com, know the, and check out more information around the Have Fun Staying Pleb unofficial kickoff party for the Bitcoin 2021 conference. It's going to be June 3rd. Tickets are on sale. There's a limited amount of space, so be sure to get your spot. And if you want to pay with Bitcoin or Lightning, you get a 10% discount with the code PLEBSUSEBITCOIN. Hope to see you there. And if you'd like to connect, feel free to email me at info at thebitcoinpath.com. And also, if you're coming through Miami, not just for the conference, but any other time, I host a meetup here Miami Bitcoiners meetup twice a month so if you're coming through the come through the area hit me up and love to I'd love to meet you always down to connect and grab coffee with another Bitcoiner so until next time may you live a meaningful life and enjoy your freedom as a sovereign individual.